Welcome into Jagzam on this Wednesday, Wednesday, December 13th. I'm Kainani Stevens, Brian Sexton, and John Osier are with me today. As we look ahead, the Jags have lost two in a row, but they're going to try to right the ship on Sunday night football against the Ravens. So big thing number one is the clock is ticking because they do have time to turn things around, but there are only four regular season games left if they want to try and close things out in the AFC South and make a run in the playoffs. Doug Peterson seems to think there's plenty of time to get things in order. This time of year, though, is where teams begin to separate, right? And, and you start to get a better picture or a clear picture, at least, of, of the postseason. But, you know, for us, it's a matter of just continuing to just focus on us, be us, be who we are, you know, control the things that we can control. And, um, you know, not, uh, you know, at least, at least go out and not try to lose another football game if possible. Just that simple, Brian. Just not try to lose another football game. Um, it's four weeks enough time for them to get everything back in order. It is. Last year they were four and eight, Kai. And instead of four games remaining, there were obviously five. And there were more difficult games in there, including a game against the Cowboys and against the Titans at the end of the season. So yes, there's plenty of time. And it could certainly start on Sunday. You could jumpstart this thing with a win over the Ravens. And I get, you know, the Ravens are 10 and three and they're the number one team in the AFC, but I don't think that this league is so disparate that the Jaguars are so far behind the Ravens that they can't come out and play well and win on Sunday night. And, and I'll use, John, the Titans with a rookie quarterback going to Miami without their best defensive player. And that rookie quarterback had two touchdown drives in the final three and a half minutes to win. So anything is possible. It could start on Sunday. Yeah, and I don't think the difference between the Ravens and the Jaguars is, is the difference between the Dolphins and the Titans this year. Uh, look, the Jaguars are 8-5. and five. If they play the way they've played most of the season, they have a very good chance to beat the Ravens. They have played poorly the last two weeks in some key areas, still only lost by seven points. They're not bad. I think the bad news for them this week is the Ravens are a team that you can play well against and still not beat. There's only a handful of those teams for the Jaguars. I think the Ravens are one of them. But it, it's not an unwinnable game. Even all that said, there's still time because I think if you win any of the, you win three of the last four right. and you beat Tennessee, then you win the division. So there, there's time, but lose this week and the margin for error may be gone. Well, just to underline what John was saying, Kai, uh, the Jaguars have lost the last two games by a combined seven points. One, a field goal that probably gives you the win at the end of regulation against the, uh, the Bengals. But more than that, this is an offense, John, without Christian Kirk. He's had one play in the last two games, and they've scored 58 mm -hmm. points. That's as good a two-game stretch as they've had all season long. So it is. It's turnovers. It's a few key areas. The lack of a running game, which I know we're going to talk about. A few key areas, and it's going to be on the practice field this week that Doug Peterson and his offensive staff are going to try to figure that one out. The offense has been scoring a lot more points. It has not really come from the running game, though. That's our second big thing about getting creative because, obviously, Travis Etienne was doing great in the beginning of the season. He slowed down tremendously. Part of that, the line issues as well. But Doug Peterson says they're going to have to get a little bit creative to try to get the running game going. Just, again, finding those schemes that have worked in our past. Um, and trying to tap back into that to, to see if we can't, you know, jumpstart the run game. John, is it that simple? Scheme it up a little bit differently? Why has the run game been so deficient lately? Uh, it's not that simple, I don't think. And uh, it's been that deficient because I don't think this is a very good run-blocking line this year. 
I think the interior has struggled, and I hate saying that every week. It sounds, it sounds like I'm, I'm bashing those guys. I think it's it, it's a decent it's a decent pass blocking line, but the season has shown us so far that this group has a tough time getting interior push. Uh, Travis gets hit in the backfield a lot. It's not all the offensive line because it's never all one thing in the NFL. Um, so you asked me, scheme it up. I'd like to see it before I think they're going to get it fixed. I, I hope they do. But after 12 games, I don't know that the running game is going to be a juggernaut. I think against the Ravens, what you have to do, you have to find some way to get enough yards to make them respect it and then open up other things. Because I think that's hurting them as much as the lack of production. Well, I'm going to lean heavily into the offensive line because he had 14 carries, ETN did, Kai. And of those 14, seven went for two yards or less. And four of those went for negative, right? Meaning he lost yards with stuff in the back of. So half his carries earned two yards or less. And if you combine them all together, they lost seven yards. So they're getting no push. Brandon Sheriff is a five-time Pro Bowl guard, but he's at his best on the move out pulling. That's, that's his game. Uh, Lou Fortner has just gotten no push in the middle of the line. And they've had four different starting guards. Four? Is it five? I forget. They've had four different starting guards over on the left side. So the lack of cohesion there hasn't helped Fortner at all. The middle of the line has been a mess in terms of short yardage. The Jaguars are at 50% on third down and two or fewer yards. Third and two, you should be up near 80, 85%. They're nowhere close to that. So I think the problem is the lack of power in the middle of their offensive line. And of course, they have had a lot of different bodies there at left guard, which hasn't helped either. A lot of blame to go around right now, at least in our point of view, of where they need to work on certain things. The run game, certainly one of those. The secondary has been an issue recently as well. Big plays, big problem, our final big thing, because those three big plays really were the difference in the game against the Browns that the secondary gave up. Some of that miscommunication, some of that how they're scheming with the blitz. Um, and Dewan Smoot talked a little bit yesterday about some of the miscommunication issues on defense. Like I just said, it's communication. I mean, we like we just have to be on on the same page. Like we've had some um, some pretty good matchups coming up, and we've been you know scheming up a lot of different things. And we just got to get back to you know what what allows us to play fast. Just just communicating and all being on the same page. Brian, we talked a couple weeks about this. What's the disconnect right now? They've been playing together for quite some time. Yeah, you're you're 30 games into this defense. They brought all the starters back. The, the, the staff is the same. I mean, communication issues, especially at home, right? I know the noise was a factor, but you want the noise if you're on defense. It's supposed to help you. Uh, communication issues, not just, by the way, on one side of the ball, Kai, mm -hmm. because we heard about the communication issues from the quarterback talking about the interceptions last week in Cleveland. I, I, I scratch my head at this because I know Tyson Campbell has been out, but Monteric Brown has played pretty well. There have been communication issues between the linebackers and the safeties, and that has caused some problems. We saw it twice last week. John, I think... I mean, the head coach said on Monday there were three plays for 120 yards that were broken mm -hmm. plays, that were communication issues. I, we've talked about what we think this team can do and, and can they play you know, together and get hot. Not if they can't communicate. Yeah, they've given up some big plays this year. I think until the other day, it was a relatively normal amount. The problem the other day was a couple of things. The big plays went for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. uh, they had three plays over 30 yards, uh, three touchdown passes over 30 yards given up. They had allowed five of those all season. So uh, it wasn't as much miscommunication. It, it was just mistakes. Guys bid on, on play action. Guys went into the backfield when they were supposed to be covering uh, tight ends. 
uh, and there was a miss on the touchdown to uh, on the 41 yarder to David Bell. Um, that hasn't happened like that. It's sort of two weeks in a row where against the against the Bengals they they had stopped the run all of a sudden didn't. Against the Browns they had not allowed touchdown big plays all of a sudden they did. Um, they've got to stop that or it becomes who they are. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer to say, well, you made a mistake on this play, gave a touchdown, don't make the mistake again. I, right. I don't know how else to analyze other than that. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I don't have the answers either. Yeah. We're going to talk through some more of it um, coming up next on Jags AM as we go over some of this or that for us this week. And we also look around the league, see what's going on in the AFC South here on Jags AM presented by Jet Home Loans. For 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all of the available inventory. Go Jaguars! Welcome back in to Jags AM this morning as we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the AFC South because as this gets closer to the end of the season, we got to keep track of those other teams. And if you didn't watch Monday Night Football, the Titans certainly put on a show as Will Levis led a comeback against the Dolphins on the road, and I didn't know they had it in them, especially after the beginning of this game, to be honest. It's the NFL. I, I mean, know. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's so strange. That's why the people who are sort of panicked about the Jags losing a couple in a row and saying, oh, they, they stink, they can't do anything. The Dolphins have looked like world beaters, and they lost Tyreek Hill late in the game, but yep. uh, you know, think about what their fans must be saying. Think about what the Chiefs fans must be thinking. They're used to winning the Super Bowl every year, and now they've lost two in a row. Mm-hmm. These kind of things happen late in the season. Uh, but it was, it, it was an impressive game for the Titans. Uh, not that unexpected because I think Vrabel coach teams, even when they're bad, are going to have these moments. I, I'm a big believer in that guy. Yeah, and they look, they, they're playing with nothing to lose, right? right? At four and eight. He's got those guys just focused on playing physical football. And the Dolphins, for all of their speed, are not a real physical football team. They're not all that strong on defense except the back end, especially without Jalen Phillips right now. So he went in there and and beat them in a game they don't like to play. What also speaks to what this league is, um, the league is set up to be late game thing, right? I mean, not late like this. The Titans came down, the Dolphins had one drive where they couldn't convert, and then the Titans yeah. do it again. Uh, it's, it, it's unusual, obviously, but in, in a pass-oriented league, this is what the league loves. It's not unusual this year. How, right. about, how about the Bears coming back and beating the Lions? I mean, the Bears had no chance, according to anybody, and yet here are the Lions who were you know, hoping to get to 10-3 and three and stay at the top of the, uh, the NFC. They fell off, too. Nothing worse than a team with nothing to lose, as we see time and time again throughout this. And then we'll head to Houston, who we thought was kind of, you know, the team that we needed to be most concerned with. But they've been dealing with a lot of injuries recently as well. Of course, we know Tank Dell is out for the rest of the season with his leg injury. And now CJ Stroud's in concussion protocol. Nico Collins had an injury in the game as well. So this could really hamper their you know, run at things towards us at the end of the year as well. Well, I would expect that it will. Uh, You know, they were a team that was playing with house money all season long. The quarterback was giving them a lot. And they appear now with some injuries that they hadn't really sustained 
to be on the cusp. I mean, they, they've got to go now and play. They're at Tennessee this week. They are at Tennessee. And right. then they've got Tennessee twice. Tennessee twice in the last And the Colts, they've got three yes. conference games. They only have one, but three division games. Three and division they only have games, one yes. division win, I believe. And that was over the Jaguars. Like the Jaguars have earned this, the spot where they are. And when I say that, I mean, they are, what, four and one in the division right now. Correct. Uh, they swept the Colts, we're going to talk about next, and they split with the Texans. They're a game up, but they're really a game and a half-ish up, even two games up. Um, to me, it feels like both the Texans and the Colts, one of them is going to lose once because they play each other. Uh, it feels like both teams are, are playing the kind of football right now where the best they go is three and one. Uh, to, that means the Jaguars, if they split down the stretch and beat Tennessee, win the division. Uh, so there's some wiggle room for the Jags. And when I say it that way, I say it in a way that they earned that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wiggle room. So. Uh, they need to take advantage of it, but barring a collapse, uh, if the Jaguars play okay, they're still in control of this thing. It makes you appreciate them having those games a little bit earlier yeah. in the season because when you got th two or three of them at the end of the year, there's so much riding on those games. Um, the Colts are still in the mix here. They lost last week to the Bengals, which certainly helped out the Jaguars um, in terms of you know seeding there. With they're all kind of still pretty close together, a couple games apart in the division standings. But Colts have a tough schedule they've got a, another divisional game coming up and then whether they'll be able to continue to contend because they've struggled without Jonathan Taylor in there at running back and there's some thought that he might be back this week they were going to test him on the practice field so that would certainly give them a lift uh let's be honest though I mean Jonathan Taylor isn't the story in any in my mind mine says that defense which has created some points and some positive field situations for Gardner mm -hmm. and for that offense um, if their defense comes up opportunistically like they have at various points, you know, against the Titans, against the, the Panthers, against the Patriots, then that gives them a shot. They're hanging in there at the very, uh, what are they, seventh right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're in it. Yeah, right now, it's really a league. I, I wrote this for Quick Thoughts uh, tomorrow. The AFC right now is the Ravens, and then there's a little bit of a mix of Jags, uh, Bengals. I mean, uh, Jags, Dolphins, maybe Chiefs, but there's seven or eight teams that could all still be in this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of the Ravens and everybody else, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it, the Chiefs and Dolphins, because they were hot early and the Jags are sort of a but Bengals, Browns, everybody's sort of saying the Browns was such a bad loss. You know what the Browns record is? Same as the Jags. Yeah. Right. So it's a very even AFC. It's it's as much parity after the Ravens as I can remember. You know, Kansas City, when you look at them, you, people are, what's the matter with them, right? They're minus seven. I mean, they have always been a positive turnover ratio team with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And because those receivers aren't the big play guys that he's used to, the only guy down the field that they've been able to consistently rely on is Kelsey. And teams have been able to take him away. But being minus seven is, is just what? Kansas City just isn't the same Kansas City. They're obviously having to retool and figure things out as they have traded away Tyreek Hill and let some guys go in free agency. Can't score at will as much as they Not used to, like right? Not like they used to. Well, it also shows you that as much as we all talk, and, I, and I'm guilty of it, the whole uh, quarterback who can lift everything by himself <laughs> is, is a little bit of a myth. I cover one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Peyton. He couldn't lift everything by himself. You needed players around him, and even Brady had other things. I know the receivers weren't always frontline guys, but there were other things for those teams. 
as good as they are, none of them could do it absolutely alone. I think they may be asking Patrick to do a little too much this year. Yeah. They are. We'll see. All right, stay with us. We're going to do a little this or that coming up after the break here on Jags AM. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback, coupons, all that in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. This or that. Welcome back to Jags AM. We're going to do a little Price.com this or that. We're going to talk about some of what we've talked throughout the week, but look at some film and kind of try to go with what we think is going on or try to choose or what we think maybe they might change going forward. So one of the things we talked about was susceptibility to that big play, specifically against the Browns, where they gave up three of those big plays and some of them coming on the blitz, right? So they are trying to help out their pass rush by sending extra people, but that ends up burning them. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Do you try to help out the pass rush and send extra people, or do you try to keep them back and try to prevent some of those big plays from burning you? I mean, I guess it's you want to do both, ideally, or pick your spots, but is the blitz coming back to bite them sometimes, Brian? Well, it does, and they haven't been able to get home, John, with four very often lately, and that's caused problems for them as well. Uh, blitzing a guy like Lamar Jackson is always dangerous because if everybody isn't in their lane, he's 30 yards down the field before you even know what comes at you. Yeah, I don't think the first two weren't as much pass blitz as they were biting on play action. Uh, so, uh, look, you've got to blitz at times or, or else you're too predictable. In this scheme, you have to bring guys or else it doesn't work. Um, I, you know, you've got to hope it works when it, when you send it. Uh, that's always the problem. That, you know, one thing that's always true is when you don't blitz, fans say, why didn't you blitz? <laughs> it worked, the blitz. Well, if it worked all the time, you know what teams would always do? Yeah. Blitz. blitz. <laughs> so, so you've got to pick your spots with it. Um, they've got good blitzers on this team. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, right. Jenkins is very good at it, but he hasn't gotten home in recent weeks. Right. I don't think you stop it. We did see Antonio Johnson get a strip sack. Though, uh, so. Another young guy who can really get after it. And Andre Sisco is a good blitzer from that safety spot. So um, it isn't so much blitz or not blitz. It's when to blitz, right? And in what situations and, and calling the right blitz at the right moment. That's on the head, uh, well, the defensive coordinator. Mike Caldwell makes those choices. Um, on the other side of the ball, we saw a lot of miscommunication in that game against Cleveland, probably more than we've seen on the offense in quite some time. And it was demonstratively, like, you could see it, like, the just them both kind of, the, you know, their hands, they're all talking a lot. It's, a, it's noticeable that they aren't understanding they're not on the same page. They aren't understanding what routes they're supposed to be running or Trevor thinks they're running a different route, maybe, whatever it is. But they need someone to step up while Christian Kirk is out for the – foreseeable future and I think at this point we know Evan Ingram will step up but now it's going to be down between Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley so when we look at these two guys both of them seem to be a little bit off in that game against Cleveland John do you think one or the other will be able to kind of get back to where they need to be we kind of hope the they both will because I think this offense more than anything has shown uh ideally it's got the four the big four doesn't have that so you know if it worries me to think that both of these guys might not step up because in this passing offense, I think you need those three. I would lean towards Zay uh, if he was 100% healthy. I don't know that he is. It's hard to know that because you, know, you can't get inside somebody else's body. But it, it doesn't feel like he's going at, at his highest level physically. 
if he's 100% physically, I think he steps up because I think there is innate trust with he and Trevor when Zay's right. And I do think, to a degree, you also have to get it going with Calvin Ridley. You you can't ignore him because no. if you do, he does. It, 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 with him, it's been the story of getting him involved early and 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 things start to flow. Um, he's not he's not a guy that you want to completely ignore because of a couple of mistakes last week. Although, how about Parker Washington? I mean, he's a guy that I think all of us expect to make a play now mm-hmm. based on what we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah, it's hard to put the go-to, make the offense sing mm-hmm. role on Parker because you don't know if that trust is going to be there. But I think he's going to be a factor. I think one thing that sometimes gets lost, um, and I sense this after the New Orleans game and then after this game, when, you know, he was Superman to be playing, meaning Trevor. And for, what, 96 hours leading to the game, all anybody's talking about is, can he play, can he play, can he play? And as soon as the game starts, you forget the kid's hurt. Yeah. Right. And you forget that he didn't practice. And I get all these emails on Monday, oh, Trevor Lawrence stinks. He's this, he's not this. Well, did you forget that he didn't practice last? You know, so he's, he's probably going to have some inaccuracy. And guess what? There's probably going to be some communication issues when a kid doesn't practice. So uh, there is that convenient amnesia of, oh, I told you he wasn't any good. Well, he, he's been good. Leading to that game, he had been playing very well, even against Cincinnati until he got hurt. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't the same. Well, it, it's the ankle, Brian. I just want to circle <laughs> back to Parker Washington. I didn't, I didn't mean to imply, and the question didn't ask, will he become the go-to sure. guy? It said, who will step up? And he has stepped up the last two weeks and made plays. Touchdowns, third down conversions. Now, he also had the fumble. But I'm, I, I just I get the sense talking to the kid that he could step up and make a couple of plays here that would free up Ridley or Jones from the double team, right? Because that's what we saw on that key fourth down play. The safety and the linebacker both were right there on Zay Jones. I mean, both of them right at the time. So I think you need a guy like Washington in the middle of the field or Luke Farrell. Right? I mean, there's nothing that says that he can't come back out and make a couple plays for you as well. And they can benefit from some of that too, because if Ridley or someone else draws the coverage, Parker Washington hopefully will have a little bit of availability there. And I will say he doesn't know the entire playbook. Obviously, he's a rookie, hasn't gotten there yet. But what he does know, he's good at. Yeah, you and don't make some impressive physical plays as well to come down with football sometimes. You just need to play here or there from some of these guys. They don't have to become a star. And Parker's given it to him. Which yeah, is, just to play which here or there. Yeah, you can get somewhere with just one or two. The flashes are there. It's great to see from Parker. All right, stay with us. We'll preview what we got going on the rest of the week here on Jack Bam. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all the customizable options. ZipChair is furniture made for fans. And also, this Sunday's game is brought to you by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Sunday Night Football brought to you by Publix this week against the Ravens should be a good one. We know they're going to have another light show to start off the game like they did last week, which was pretty cool. Um, and it's just nice to have a primetime game because it feels a little bit more important. Obviously, this game is going to be important no matter what time they played it at um, because of where these two teams are at right now. Um, but it's going to have a little extra juice being on a Sunday night. Yeah, and this, and this team could use a little bit of extra juice coming off back-to-back losses. You know, uh, if you offer, John, to the coach, do you think your team will play desperate this week like the Niners did, like the Browns did? But he doesn't like that line of questioning. He doesn't like that idea. Uh, but there is something to the idea that you have a team that says, our back's against the wall, let's mm-hmm. go. 
right? There's something to that idea of rallying around or circling the wagons, whatever metaphor you want to use, but that this team uses the, the bright lights and the last two losses and says, our backs are to the wall, let's go play. Yeah, and I, I probably fell victim to it a little bit after two losses of, oh, this is the Ravens, there's no way they win this. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't been outclassed the last couple of weeks. No. They've played poorly in some spots. Uh, the Ravens, I, I expect will be favored, should be favored. I think they're the best team in the AFC. But this is a game where uh, I don't know why the Jaguars wouldn't be confident going in. They beat them last year. They know they can match up against a mobile quarterback. They're good at stopping the run. Uh, if they play well, they can win this game. They have to play well. You know, I know they've had some, some trouble up front of their offensive line. They've been rotating offensive tackles in. Um, I'd like to say Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker. I mean, to me, that's as key as there is in this game, is those two guys keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket and getting some push up the middle. We'll see if they're able to do it. Josh, of course, approaching Clay's Campbell's single-season sack record as well. That's certainly in the mix for possibly happening. He's one away from tying, one and a half away from going ahead. So we'll see if that happens on Sunday night as well. All right, on Jags AM, tomorrow we're going to go over all things Ravens as we get prepped for Sunday night football. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>